0: If you're a person that likes to help build things and wants to pick up a shovel, pick up a pick up the paddle yeah. and go, like this has been an amazing place to be. Rather than just someone who, if you just like to consume things that have already been built, you know, you can do that here now more than ever. But it was like that was the, the thing about the community for me. Like when when I thought about leaving, it was like, um, yeah, I could go someplace that's already been made or you could try to help make something and, and man, it feels a heck of a lot different.
1: Well, Welcome back to Neighboring. I am in uh, one of the coolest spots in Fort Wayne, a place that uh, has a lot of culture and a lot of experience built into it. We are with Matt Kelly of One Looking Guitar and uh, Matt and I go way back. Over a decade, um, Matt's been in the advertising and creative world for, for all, forever, his entire professional career for the most part. Yeah. And uh, he and I connect on a lot of reasons, and so I thought he would be a perfect person for neighboring to have a discussion on uh, the small places and creating experience and ultimately what it looks like to start things. I find that many people get stuck and they they have really great ideas in the neighborhood or in their workplace or for the community, and they have really great ideas, but they sit on the shelf because they don't know what to do with it. They don't have confidence. They see things in the community that aren't that are so big or popular or successful, and they just don't quite have the vision of how their thing can be successful, but they're great ideas. And Matt is one of those guys who has had idea after idea, And not just ideas, but ideas that he's moved on. And so we often sit down and have these conversations about what does it look like to create the the cultural, uh, the events, the things that create culture. And it often looks much different than what the bigger events or the bigger world is is sharing. So Matt, welcome to the Neighboring Podcast.
0: Excited to be here. Excited to be here. Yeah. Uh,
1: Introduce yourself. Tell us about Matt Kelly.
0: Yeah, so uh we are at the One Lucky Guitar offices in our, our conference room which we call the B-side. Uh it's kind of interesting being here right now at the beginning of September of 2019. This month is our marks our 15th year in this uh building, which wow. is really wild to me. So um uh, I guess tell tell you about myself I would say I'm an observer that time flies <laughs> and you gotta try to make the most of it, you know, and so I think that's been something that's really driven a lot of the things that I've been involved with or we've been involved with as a company from a, from a starting thing standpoint is um, seizing the moment, uh, a bias for action, a bias for maybe taking some risks and trying things that haven't been tried before. Um, but yeah, background in commercial art and uh, 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 as a college student, uh, English and English Lit, commercial art degree, uh, worked at a large marketing firm, um, went out on my own with One Lucky Guitar. That was really the first thing I started and it kind of started um, as, a, as an idea of something that could operate in a realm of passion and then it turned into a business. Um, and since then we've uh, served clients all across Northeast Indiana predominantly, but really across the country, and our team has grown to a team of 11. Uh, worked out of my apartment for four or five years, and then, like I said, uh, been here for 15.
1: Uh, describe your office. Give the listener an idea of creative space, your, your space here. Yeah.
0: So we're uh, at 1301 Lafayette on the near southeast side of downtown Fort Wayne, and uh, it's a great space. It's a building that has, it's a multi-tenant building that's always had... Um, really creative industry in it, so commercial photography, fine artists, uh, journalists, independent journalists, uh, yoga studios, four different yoga studios (laughs) over time. Um, For us, they've been great neighbors. We really kind of all inspire each other. There's kind of a culture of the building, Um, but I think our space has been one, uh, you know, kind of up and around the corner here is where the, the team works. Uh, but we don't have dividers. We have space definers, we say. But it's a real open environment where, um, you know, I want people to be aware of what each other are working on. There's kind of a shared sense of, certainly shared victories, but also, like, a, how can I help you? You know, it's not, people don't really work in silos here, and that's been something we've really, you know, uh, worked hard to make sure uh, we feel very unified. In fact, the space behind me at one point, this is where the uh, designers, web developer were in this space, and the accounts and uh, account service area was up top, and just kind of that kind of felt like two teams in a way, right? It was five people here, five up there, yeah. and it was just like, man, I want to feel more unified than that. And that's when we kind of expanded our space, and and then that created the B side, really.
1: Yeah, you've grown in this space, you've. Had a small corner kind of piece of the this floor, and then you keep kind of growing, and expanding. And I know over the years you have questioned whether the space still fits. One well, of the guitars, culture, the the people, the space needs, working at it with the the landlords and those types of things. And you've considered moving away, but I always know that that's a difficult conversation. Uh, and you always kind of come back to this place having kind of a soul and identity that's uniquely related to your own and so that you, you kind of dig in and you, you recognize the place has a, an important part in that. Uh, what are your, what can you share about like why you've kind of maybe stayed here in terms of space having an importance?
0: Yeah. um, Well, you know, lots uh, lots of thoughts on that. The space is kind of intrinsically cool because it's uh, you know the building we're in right now is was built in 1910. It's it's really two buildings shoved together. The other is 1890, and so you have lots of exposed brick and hard wood and the cool ceiling. And so, like, that fits kind of what we do, you know. I mean, I think our ethos has always been really scrappy and uh, even very early on, kind of an Americana vibe to the design uh, that that fit. But I think, you know, as we've, when we've looked elsewhere, it's really been um, part of just being so uh, committed to this community. I think part of probably particularly downtown story. Like, I think we've been part of downtown story. And I've just thought, you know, we rent. And so for me, it was like, man, you know, I really, I believe in this community and I want to, you know, put, uh, have a stake in it. Let's be property owners. And so that's when we've looked at places. It's like, you know, to really demonstrate our commitment, would it be more important to be a property owner? And each time we've looked at that, it's been like, you know, what are the... Uh, are there pain points with this that that's taking away? And, you know, there really haven't been enough that, you know, like that that make it worth doing that. Um, And, you know, I mean, I'll be frank, like we're we're not in the heart of downtown. Um, You know, we're kind of outliers, like geographically. And I like that, you know, and I think that feels like us. And uh, that's been one thing that's been really interesting is, you know, some of our, you know peers in our industry have moved downtown or wherever they're right you know in the city center like I kind of like being outliers <laughs> yeah
1: you know, well I think that's a good uh, point to transition to where this conversation really started um, and a concept I've really been trying to work out in my own brain and having conversations around is that the idea that that the magic in our community the magic happens in the margins and that means a lot of different things but The idea that the margins are the places just on the outside or in the the corners or in the alleys or in the extra shared conference space and a 150 year old building as part of an ad agency. And I don't think anyone would that has experience with ad agencies would really think at like, oh, you have a music venue as a creative agency in your space Uh, as being out of line but the fact is you do it and not every creative agency does that and that says something as well tell us about the b-side and the transition of like you didn't you you don't have a shortage of things to do why begin hosting shows and all the different things that end up happening in this space
0: yeah well you know um i, I think you're absolutely right that there's um that, that place and space can create, you know, create magic, you know, when it's really good and nurtured. It can can just change the, um, you know, the the kind of the well-being of a person, like what's the the, uh, invisible things that are happening around a collaboration or an interaction, and we've found this space to be one that just is really, it's just very nurturing for connection, right, and so that's true with our primary work as marketers, we'll have, we'll stage what we call soul sessions, but they're kind of branding workshops in here and they and there's a, a vulnerability that happens in those and there's a safety that happens in this space, but it's been true with artistic expression too. And so we, um, you know, there's a whole kind of underground industry in the, in the uh, touring music business of, of living room shows, and that's artists that don't wanna play kind of the traditional infrastructure of a, a club or a bar and everything that goes along with that, and they'd rather play an intimate show with with diehard fans. And we started getting some of those living room shows. We'd reach out and say, hey, it's not a house, but it's an office, we can move the desks. And those just created such special moments that we um, those artists really told their friends, like man, we ne- we've never gone to Fort Wayne because there was never a place to play yeah. where people would pay attention yeah. or hang on every word. You know, this is seven, eight, nine years ago, and so we started. We get calls, you know, four or five times a week about shows, and we only book the ones that are like someone here loves it, right? You know, yeah. we, we we all money goes to the artist, and so it's not a money making thing for us. And then the other thing is like that's so that's our taste, but there is something special about the room. and so we've found folks who have a unique idea or something they want to present. and if it kind of aligns with the values of of one lucky like guitar we've we just have given the space to them and so that could be contemporary dance, that could be poetry, um, that could be fine art, um, uh, visual art. and then sometimes we've had folks come in, you know University of St. Francis has held classes in here. Yeah. Companies have had retreats in here. But to me, it's like, man, this room is like too special to just like keep to ourselves, even though it's uh, obviously it's a part of the beating heart of OLG. But it's like, man, let's share this. What's
1: going on in here? B-side is, B-side is great. Uh, I've discovered several bands from coming to shows here, and there's nothing quite like being in a room with 50, 70 other people, in a room that feels full, that feels, whether it's 50 or 70, people or 500 people when you are in a room that feels full of people that want to be there to have an experience to enjoy there is a there's such a transcending feeling of being a part of it and especially with the idea of uh, the unplugged nature of a living room show in most cases, and the story comes out, and you know, the types of bands that, that end up playing are very singer-songwriter, very much storytellers or culture, like sharing something about their culture, so you always walk away with more than that, and I find that true in other places, and so if you've not been to a B-side show, I really recommend you coming to check them out, because uh, whether you know the band or not, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna enjoy the time, and maybe connect and meet with somebody else. Matt, for, ever since I've known you, I've always admired the fact that you don't let much stop, stop you from starting. And part of the discussion I wanted to have and hopefully communicate to the audience on this episode is what do, you, what do you do with those ideas that are kind of burning in the back, the ones that you share with other people on a regular basis who could, if they pressed you, of like, why haven't you done that yet? And I find that true to, true in neighborhoods like sitting and interacting with neighborhood associations or uh, different community or civic kind of groups and around the table and people have ideas and you interact with them, they bring up that idea two or three times, but they just let it sit there. Um, That hasn't been your case. And I'm curious, where did that, because you've done this, you've started a a boys clothing line, uh, you've created a music festival. so. Uh, I see you starting these small events, but I've also seen you really leading the charge for some bigger initiatives as well, and I'm sure those kind of have grown out of the confidence you've gained from the small events. Uh, where did that start for you? Like, w- was there a time where you kind of recognized that y- you were just letting things sit there and you had to finally do something, or did somebody push you into it? Um, well, I appreciate your kind words So, because
0: I don't always necessarily think of myself that way. Yeah. Was, um uh, but like we were saying earlier, time flies. I guess I think you know it started with one lucky guitar, and so for me, um, I, I I was brought up in a pretty traditional household, and um, you know my parents have been in the same house for forty some years, and they each had the same jobs for three or four decades, and. Um, uh, I, I was really the first in my family to go to college, but I, I I didn't I didn't have anything really non-traditional in my life. to, Nobody backpacked across Europe or, yeah. you know, was a serial entrepreneur or anything like that. And so I kind of went into my first job and thought, okay, this is what you do, and you get in this job. And I'm, you know, at a certain point, I better start looking for a house up north and, like, you know, get my you know Toyota Corolla and <laughs> just get it all set, you know, because that's what you do. Um, And then the stuff that happened with One Lucky Guitar and it was like I just felt an emptiness, I felt a a couple things. One, the work I was doing was not as creatively inspiring as I always wanted it to be. And then it also just didn't matter as much as I wanted it to. And so One Lucky Guitar really started as a place for me to do work that fulfilled those two things. And it was originally I was going to do work for musicians, record labels, arts, organizations or folks making art and help them visually present what they were doing um, and then hopefully that, that would that would have some kind of impact to the people that love that whether it was an event or whether it was the music um, and I did that and uh, it it just kind of it gathered attention from folks who were in different who were, were not musicians or were not artists but had uh, uh, an enterprise that that shared some of those values and they just liked the passion of it they liked the, the 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 charisma that came with it and they would call and say hey i'm not a band but i'm starting a clothing company or that kind of thing yeah. and and so while i like a guitar, it really started inadvertently and as it grew then um because we were kind of approaching things and by we it was me um we we're doing it kind of non-traditionally because we didn't have the money to do anything traditional <laughs> um more and more things happened around it to where i i was able to kind of grow a team but i'd never in my wildest dreams thought i would own a company or employ people um, but what i found was that we were just staying true to the vision of like what are we going to communicate and how are we going to communicate and how passionately can we communicate it how we, we have to discover their why and then help communicate it whether it's a band or it's a company or a law firm or you know um and that just created confidence right and and it also created confidence because i felt like we were doing things so non-traditionally that i started thinking well you don't have to do it the way that everyone's always told you that it had to be um and that was those were the kinds of folks that were attracted to work with us they'd say hey we're a law firm and we kind of feel like outliers in the legal community compared to every other law firm. So we want to work with you because that's how you are in in your industry and yeah um that gave us confidence to try. Then, when we started starting other things, and it was predominantly events, and, and often musical. You know, our place is really music and arts and culture, um, very often. And so, um, we worked with the Downtown Improvement District to do a block party that was kind of unlike unlike block party, reimagined what block parties were. And they said, "We believe in what you're going to try to do here, and here's some money to go buy talent to do it." And it was. Really success, unexpectedly successful. That was in 2005, and we booked the AVET brothers, you know, who we got them right on the way up as they were breaking through, now Grammy winners and, you know, tour the world and everything. Um, And then that led to uh, working with the embassy to start down the line. And they called saying, hey, we, it's our 85th anniversary, we want to do two fundraisers. One's the Black Tie event that serves our traditional audience. Um, it's an $85 ticket for 85th anniversary with Martin Short coming in, and but we need something that exposes this wonderful theater to a younger audience. This is end of 2006. Um, and it was interesting because it was Tom Borney, who uh, owns Asher Agency, who was on the board there. But they called and said, we need you, we need you guys yeah. to reach young people. And uh, we started down the line, which was showcasing this local talent. We had local bands who were out creating original music, doing things. At that time, it was pre-Brass Rail, pre-CS3. You had to do things kind of underground. And it was like, let's showcase those people who are creating this, like you said, uh, this art that's on the fringe. It's really the character of this community. Yeah. Let's showcase them on the biggest, most beautiful stage in the community. And to make it all kind of make sense, let's have them pay tribute to the artist that inspired them, in the first place. And we called it Down the Line. It was pain, you know. It was just this, this inspiration that channels through, right? And that got pretty. Big. We ran it for four years. Did it all, donated all of our time to do it. Got pretty big, and then it was. Then it was like, okay, it's big enough, and you guys can run it yourselves. So, yeah. go do so. And then that's when we started saying well that was got really big and the headaches that come with big and so let's start doing this really tiny tiny thing and that's how the b-side really started around that era um the thing that's common about each of those initiatives and what then later with middle because we we're small here and then it was like well let's try to go super big again with middle It's like we've never gotten paid for any of that that yeah. to me is just part of uh, i feel lucky blessed fortunate to get to do what we get to do here. And so uh, part of that is pay it back to the community and how can we make a, a positive impact?
1: Well, I think a, a key key characteristic that you're pulling together is that, uh, a lot of the initiatives that you just described and outlined were connected to the kind of the personal pursuits and the ethos that you created as a leader and as an individual, like as a band member, as a lifelong musician uh, in your own band. And uh, yes, you have your day job, but it's a good illustration of like, how do you do work-life integration? And I think a lot of folks have ideas that are related to really the outflowing of the thing that they can't do over here. And so it's bubbling up of saying, how do I take what I'm doing another way further, another step further or implementing that idea. And those are really great illustrations. So it doesn't really matter whether the B side is music or all the ideas have to be music or culture. There are people doing, woodworking or whatever their other passion is neighborhood meetings we see this and so the idea that the magic is happening in the margins but are you creating those those opportunities in the margins that you're in and and moving forward on the ideas which i think is really really an interesting kind of take and a push because i was this idea came i was in a, a venue watching a show and a shoulder to shoulder and i've been here and i've been in neighborhood associations and i've been all over these places and i look around and it's usually these things that don't have more than like 50 or 100 people and then recognizing that you're in how many of those things are happening on that day or in that week or that weekend or that build on and that are that is creating the culture of a block an area of town within a sub-genre of life and how those things shape culture maybe more than the big things yeah the big things should be an outflowing of a lot of those small things but do we ever really kind of hone on and recognize that the small things add just as much if not more value than than the big initiatives yeah no
0: absolutely absolutely and i think that's been a common like um you know what's better than when you're into something sharing it with people who are also into it or helping expose someone to that you know would love something to that so whether that's music in a particular format or artist or that's mountain biking or that's making a difference by volunteering in your community and 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 really you know doing this a small thing that changes someone's life like that's as far as like starting things like find things like that that you can start you know and also I think we're talking about like this isn't like a a, a, a show on entrepreneurialism where you have to like I gotta quit my job to to roll the dice and start this thing. It's like what we're talking about are gatherings, events, uh, human connections, and like in that case, I think if it's based in passion and like your your heart is true in it, then it's like, man, go after it because that's always been the the thing for us. And it's like people will be attracted to that when that's true for for what you're up to, and 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 you know you gotta kind of. They have to just trust you. Like say, lean, you know, learn more about, I believe in this and I believe you would like it. And so come join me on it. Get, take a chance. You
1: well, know? I, I would probably imagine, you probably have a story or two where to move that concept further is like, maybe volunteering and taking on a new initiative within a, an event like Middle Waves, which was a two-day music festival, like choosing to volunteer own one aspect or driving the golf cart around to pick up the trash and like taking that responsibility you likely had a better experience than maybe a, a concert goer mm-hmm. or a festival goer because you got into that social connectivity and you are f- formed and part of the yeah, community absolutely. and you were part of making something happen.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of um, Fort Wayne and Fort Wayne in particular in the last decade, but really probably 15 years, you know, has been if you're a person that likes to help build things and wants to pick up a shovel pick up a pick up the paddle and go like this has been an amazing place to be rather than just someone who if you just like to consume things that have already been built you know you can do that here now more than ever but it was like that was the the thing about the community for me like when when i thought about leaving it was like um yeah i could go someplace that's already been made or you could try to help make something and, and man it feels a heck of a lot different. You know and that was a blessing I got early on in my career was that I, um, I got to see that money doesn't necessarily equal happiness and um, or feeling fulfilled and making a difference certainly is it felt more fulfilling and so it was like man how do I keep finding places and opportunities to do that yeah it's interesting what you said too about like the small things can really you know it's the seasoning it's the it's the difference maker like i i believe that too I, um man it's been more than a decade but i remember going to a presentation at the top of the pnc building that the downtown improvement district had welcomed this uh gentleman jack murrah who ran the lindhurst foundation in chattanooga mm. and this was early on when they were talking to other communities yeah. and chattanooga was you know went from armpit of America, like worst place to outside magazines, number one, you know, community. Uh, and a woman learned from Chattanooga. And and he came and he, you know, he was brazen in some of his comments, but he said, um, the story isn't that you have a symphony orchestra. Yeah. The story would be if you didn't have one, because yeah. everyone's got one that's your size, you know. Right. And it was interesting, like I thought and then he talked about investing in the things that actually made Chattanooga different, you know. And one of the early ones for them was this, this freshwater aquarium thing. And he's like, we, you know, we were able to say we had the world's largest freshwater aquarium. We just never told anybody it. it was also the world's only. You know, it didn't need to be that big. Yeah. But it was interesting because that was, I think that coincided with like Elton John maybe was coming to the Coliseum, which I, you know, I think it's a great get. Yep. But everyone was just celebrating like that, it's, you know. El, we've we finally get, we got Elton John. We're legit now. And it's like well, everyone else has always had Elton John, you know, like all the other communities we're looking at. And it was more, I, it, all these things happened at the same time. So those, and then uh, this band called Titus Andronicus played at the Brass Rail on a Thursday night. Our mutual friend Nate Utesh from Metavari brought them here, and the next day they were at the Pitchfork Festival, which is a real tastemaker trendsetter festival in Chicago, and they blew up. They were nobody here. There were 20 people at the rail that night. And they were, And I remember after that weekend, Pitchfork said the the band of the weekend was Titus. And it was like, we literally got to see somebody on yeah. just the cu- the last show they played before <laughs> yeah. everyone knew him And it was like, man, if Fort Wayne gets that, yeah, then that's what I think is cool, cooler than Elton. And with all respect totally. to Sir Elton and Sir Paul and the other big guys that have come around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And those are the things that, that we need to, that I feel like we need to learn to celebrate is that these are the, like, they don't have to be any bigger than they are. And at times there's a fear that permeates the community and especially event organizers and feeling like, oh, this thing isn't going to be big enough, or this is competing, or these, these diversions are, can, can get in a fear-based pattern that it makes us feel like, like if our thing isn't, 5,000 people, then it's not successful rather than really encouraging that 20 people here and a hundred people there. And like, we need it all. Like we need it all. Like our community is a, a community of abundance that we are better off from every one of these things. And the determination of success needs to be defined by the people putting it on, not by outside measures. How do you define like what does success look like for you at like a b-side show or some of these other events that you've been a part of or even the clothing line of the good ones that you created like how do you reframe success because I know a lot goes into success and how we view success can ultimately depend on whether we feel like we did a good job with it mm-hmm. and that doesn't always mean that it made it made money or sold out or those types of things yeah um, I imagine you and I have
0: talked a lot about meaningful experiences, yeah. right, and um, I think that's the, 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 the piece, like for me, is like that, um, you know, there are more and more ways that people can spend their time in this community and for, their, for it to be really meaningful, to uh, be provocative to them, to make them look inward, to make them consider something they hadn't considered before, uh, to give them a different... Um, Point of view or crystallize the lens they were already looking through. Like, those are the things, like with that kind of feedback, you know. I, use, I would probably would have answered that question a few years ago as we would have things where, where when people would say, man, I just didn't feel like I was in Fort Wayne. Yeah. And that would be like, I would say, okay, well, that's how I knew it was worth doing or it was successful because someone, yeah. but now you don't, thankfully, don't hear that as much anymore, you know. Like, then I, I started thinking, let's bury that phrase. When that phrase isn't said anymore, that's going to be really awesome, you know um but i also think like uh to your point um another measure of success is when somebody brings somebody new yeah you know and i think that there we all have fear of like going to do or see something we've never done before if i'm going to go volunteer with neighbor link and i've man i'm going in someone's home or i'm i'm responsible for you know the the the, the their their how their their, their 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 habitat you know like yeah there's immense pressure with that, am I uncomfortable with it, and am I gonna see or feel things that are, um, that take me out of my comfort zone, um, and you could say that about uh, arts and cultural experiences, you could say that about, you know, uh, uh, food, yep. you know, places that you haven't been before, A an ethnic restaurant that is is pushing your, you know, the, your, your experience, I suppose, you know, and it's like, I continue in Fort Wayne to like, I can't tell you a time that I took a chance with something or, or erred toward uh, having a little bit more of a sense of adventure than, than I was comfortable with and I, f- I was rebuffed or that I was shut down or that I was made to feel like I wasn't welcome, you know? And that's been like huge. Even with the B side, like I work the door, you know, I'm the guy up there and when somebody comes in that, that has never been here before or somebody brings somebody and so I wanted them to experience it, it was like uh, open arms. You know, let's hug because we're going to hug at the end of the night. We might as well hug now, you know? <laughs> and I think that's true. That's something you see. Like, and that's what I cr- covet for our city, you know? I mean, we do it better, but I- if everyone just had 10% more sense of adventure and would try something they hadn't tried before, there's so much to, there's so many people to meet here, there's so much to experience. Yeah. Um, and I, you know,
1: I, I see it. I just want to see more and more of it yeah, yeah. we'll keep after it all of this stuff costs something it costs time and energy and resources that you got to invest in and uh, work-life integration um, is just that like in order the people that I see doing these kind of things that I try to emulate or try to like be a contributor along with that helps me justify my time and energy because I see other people doing it. And But it's costly. Like for me at NeighborLink, you know, for, for us creating Team NeighborLink was kind of in the same realm of saying, here's what I do every day. Here's what I do on the side that brings me joy and energy. And uh, I want to do that with other people. How do I marry those, those two things together? Uh, in some ways, to justify my time doing that away from family or whatever, uh, and to make sure that it makes sense from an operation workplace perspective, and so we created this athletic team, that was really a, just an effort for me to take, to wear my own gear at the events I was doing, to invite my friends so we all look the same, to you know maybe raise some money along the way, and you tap into this community and it's 200 plus people and. Uh, now and doing all kinds of things, and we create our own events, and it gets overwhelming and time consuming. Without a work life integration for me, it, it would be really hard. So, I kind of talk about the idea that I don't necessarily work, I don't know how many hours I work uh, in the course of a week because I try to get it all integrated. And if I really evaluated Team NeighborLink, my board would probably say, You're spending too much time. But because I marry it with our work and I'm inviting people in, it tends to work out, but I also, it also makes it easier for me. Um, it makes it easier that this is a lifestyle and a, and a journey that I'm going on of how do you really integrate rather than finding conflict. How have you attempted to balance? Because it does cost money, it costs time, and it doesn't always fit, and you don't always get a return that you kind of wanted to, or at least you don't get it for a while. And I know that to be true for everyone. What's that kind of been like for you in terms of um, like the clothing brand, for instance? Like that was a big initiative that you took on that was a response to kind of who you were becoming and where you were at in that phase of life with partners and a lot of things. But it ultimately, you had to make some tough calls with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I... I like the way you said work-life integration rather than work-life balance. <laughs> you know it's a different way of looking at that. Like I, I don't have clear lines between any of my interests whether it's what One Lucky Guitar does or what we do with the B-side or what I do with my ba- They all, the band. They all kind of influence each other in one way or another middle waves which I was super active with for two and a half years. Um, one Lucky Guitar does Reap benefit from that, just from an exposure standpoint and Absolutely. identification of who we are. We
1: also should get that we should caveat that we get to be in the the beneficial position of running our own things. Yeah, right. And maybe yeah. chief yeah. decision maker. Yeah. And there's yeah. some privilege with that. Yeah. Um, that can be overwhelming and get out of balance for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, for for one like a guitar, I mean, certainly. None of the things that I'm involved with would be possible if it weren't for the clients who trust us to do their work. And also, and one of the reasons I think they trust us is because they know their investment is an investment in the community. But, um, you know, I, I I will say that um, uh, with a couple of times the 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 new idea has gotten is is grown so large that it threatened to subsume one like a guitar, and and one one way was with the Good Ones Clothing Company, which was a a boys clothing company we co-founded, and the other time was with Middle Waves, where um, I remember I I read this article, I want to attribute it to LeBron, but uh, I read an article with LeBron after he left The Heat, when they said, what did you learn most from Pat Riley? Uh, And he said, what Pat taught me was, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And you know, because LeBron's getting pulled and all these different, yeah. right? You know, yeah. the, the he's larger than life, and it was like it's got it, it, basketball has to stay number one to support all these other things that you're doing. Later, I googled that once, and uh, it was it, I think it's a uh, uh, seven habits of highly successful people. I like that LeBron learned <laughs> it from Pat Riley, uh, and that to me was an epiphany. With Middle Waves, was I felt the Middle Waves was uh, I was co-chair for two and a half years, and so it. Um, it had taken my eye off one lucky guitar. And uh, this is when LeBron was leaving Miami going back to Cleveland and it was like the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And when I didn't do that, I could feel the culture kind of, it was just untended to, right? And it can't be on autopilot and it can't not be um, number one. And so that's where I had to step back from my commitment to middle waves. Um, And I think that's been something with You know, obviously with the B-side or One Lucky Guitar, as far as starting those like that, you know, they're my things and I do them. But I think other things that I've been involved with helping start, like a role for me really is to help start things, get them going. And then whether that's down the line and it lives on and people who are passionate about operating it do so. And same with Middleways, there's such a passionate group that that carries that forward and, and. and I get to kind of be Yoda, you know. Now, I, I I do love that part of it. I think that's where my strength is too. And so, you know, one for people thinking about starting things, know that too. Like, you know, build, work with people who you have each other's backs and you cover each other so that. And, and think about sustainability, right? You're trying to do something one time. You're trying to do something that's, uh, you know, into perpetuity. And and what does it look like if it is? How do you plan for that? Um, the thing with the Good Ones Clothing Company, so that was really, a, it was a partnership with uh, one of our early and and still uh, most important clients, Matilda Jane Clothing, which is a little girl's clothing line. We had just an um, absolutely symbiotic relationship with, with that company. We grew up together, really, uh, siblings and, and creative partners throughout uh, personal friends, um, you know, the, the founder and I were very very close and went through a lot of challenges together and so We started that boys company as a as a partnership and as uh, Matilda Jane evolved and, and Denise's ability to be involved with the Good Ones kind of fluctuated um, it, uh, And then she became ill uh, and ultimately passed away it For me that was as simple as I never wanted to own a clothing company i wanted to own a company with denise yeah and so when that wasn't what it was it was like you know what this makes more sense to again get back to the main thing because it was the same the good ones was such a a amazing creative opportunity but also a a space of our minds where it was like which you know we're trying to do two different things that uh, are not one needs to be more important than the other. And so, um, you know, one lucky guitar is, is, is where we went with that. Um, but, you know, in some, in a really poetic way with kind of the shuddering or what do they call it in presidential elections? You didn't, um, we've, uh, we've paused the campaign, let's say, sure. <laughs> we haven't shut it down. Um, but that, that, that there was a little, some revenue there that helped us like with an initial thing with middle waves where it was just like it needed a little boost very early to be able to actually just get the thing off the ground and it was like really neat that that was able to, I mean, I just asked myself like what would, what would Denise want to do? And it's yeah. like, yeah, let's get behind this and, and push it forward, so.
1: I find that once you start getting into the rhythm of starting things, you begin to see and know kind of clearly when it's time to step in and start um, and take initiative when do you have you learned or when it's when is the time to stop things I think on the flip side this is what I'm trying to learn and I'm curious if this has been true for you is that I don't think things need to last longer than they need to to last that the idea of in perpetuity especially with small expressions of of efforts whether it's various events at team neighborlink, like night moves for instance something that's gained popularity and it's been something that's significant for us, but at any given time it can be done because it's run its course because it's time for something new. Uh, and I'm learning on when it's time to stop things. But I'm curious from your perspective, what it, how you've learned that, like, is it easy for you to stop things? Or do you like really wrestle with like, is this, is this done?
0: Uh, I think it you always wrestle. I mean, for me and I think for you, it's it's their 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 passion projects. Yeah. So you kind of want to keep doing them. They're they're a place that you find. Yeah. Um, you know fulfillment. Um, but I agree. I, I think that there things can have a, a a lifespan, and they make a difference, and they help move us forward in some in some way. You know. I mean, I would say with the B side is the B side necessary to Fort Wayne's music scene right now you know um there are more venues that are we're getting bands that used to overlook us they find other places to play to or performers and uh i also i just i think you know complacency is something that is uh toxic to me and so that's a that's when i start feeling like it's time to um maybe shudder something is 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 is, is it still a place to grow, evolve, express, or is it kind of just, sta- has it become status quo? You know, I mean, we do wrestle with that with the B side. It's so like, what is it next, right? We've had such incredible, intimate performances. Does it, is it a play? Do we document this in some way? Are we creating content in some way? Are we broadcasting in some way? Like, and, and, and that might be an interesting next step for it. But if it's just the same thing, then I kind of think to myself, um, we've done it. And it made such an incredible difference, and and you can do it other places now. Um, and so that's, I guess, yeah, that's something. That, I mean, complacency, and also, you know, like I don't think I don't like things to be easy. You know, I don't think one like guitar or anyone who works here is looking for easy. And so, um, both with our extracurricular activities, but also OLG, it's like, what are we? you know how are we on the cutting edge how are we um just really pushing our ability to provide great results for our clients and i think that's just a hunger that that does mean you stop doing certain things at different times and uh, and and we're eager to do that and not i'm far less sentimental about it than i used to be Mm -hmm. you know i think if it's um if we've given it our all and it's made the difference that it needed to make, then then it's okay if the yeah. story ends at a certain point and yeah. we do something else next. You know?
1: What a testament that if you stepped in and started creating shows where nobody was, else was and then people started developing the same kind of shows and we're doing yeah. it, like time to move on and create something else. Yeah. Yeah. Shifting gears a bit towards the workplace, um, part of the neighboring podcast is trying to illustrate ways that being a good neighbor isn't just about who you live next to in the traditional neighborhood a sense. It's also like a workplace. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to be a good neighbor uh, at One Lucky Guitar? Like when somebody's like really being a good neighbor around here, what does that look like for your culture and your environment?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a selflessness. I think that we treat each other in the same way that that one would be a good neighbor to you know, someone with their residence, which is to say you look out for them, you uh, care for them without expecting um, anything out of it, frankly, you know, and I think that we really work very hard here to, to build that kind of trust to, uh, I mean, my joke is that any of us could go on vacation and give keys to the house to anyone else here and say, make sure that, you know, dog gets... Put out and the cats get fed and they would do that and so that kind of trust is you know difficult to get to and then you have to continue to nurture it and I think that I think that um, doing that selflessly and not expecting anything back from it is it's being a good neighbor is being a,
1: a good collaborator a good partner do you find that kind of naturally happens because of the culture and what you put out here, or is that something you as a team work on and talk about on a regular basis? Uh,
0: I think both, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that um, I have an incredible group of folks that are generous in their hearts uh, that I get to work with. Um, but we're also very, very, you know, another four letter word is busy. So we're very, very busy with what's right in front of us. and. So we do have to just shake ourselves out of the, you know, out of our lane and out of the 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 pursuit of the next to do item on the to do list, and say, are we being healthy with each other? Are we being um, are we being um, are we looking at things from a very broad view of of um, how do we work as a unit? And how are we creating an impact for our clients and for the community um, and so always learning you know I mean from friends, peers, like you know watching what you're doing I'm watching what our clients do you know we' have so much, so many clients that we can just learn from you know that's um, a real blessing for us, and we become and, and hopefully we're able to share things with them as well um, and then applying what we learn in our personal lives to to what we can what we can do here you know it's not i don't feel like it's uh um, the people are one person when they're at work and somebody else when they're not you know yeah. and i think that we um in the same sense you said earlier you know you can be with 50 people 100 people and that's a unique concoction, you know, and that, I think it's true. I think when we are this group that we have and how we feel that day and the way the weather's hitting and the, what we're working on, it's only gonna happen just like that, that one time, right? And the same with a show here. It could be the same 35 people who were at a previous one, but but they're difference and in, 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 and it's gonna be tremendously unique and that's true with a class and that's true with a congregation and like, trying to appreciate that right and not take any of it for granted and say what's special about today and what do we what what are the special things that we can do together you know and that's what I think is really awesome about NeighborLink when you see people work together to make a difference it's yeah. like man how fulfilling is that it's cool yeah well thanks for that
1: uh as we move to wrap up I'm curious if because um, I know uh, you probably get hit up often by friends and associates and people that hear and watch you from afar about how you create or one like a guitar creates and kind of ends up with Matt Kelly and because I do it to you, uh, but. <laughs> When somebody comes to you asking for advice of like, how do I get started or I have this idea, what is kind of the advice or direction that you typically give or would like to give to anybody that feels like they have an idea on the shelf that they're just sitting on and not doing it, anything with or coming and saying, what's my first step? What does that advice usually look like for, from your perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, uh, it's it's building your team and I—I—I I, 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 um, I can get credit for a lot of things, and none of it have I done by myself. And um, my colleagues are unbelievable and amazing, and um, I'll treasure them forever, whether it's my current team or the folks that have worked here in the past. But I think even on extracurricular things, it's just like really kind of again I think like I just think like if you're rooted in passion and heart what fulfills you it's finding folks that that resonates with and I mean an example of that recently would be um, watching the Creative Mornings Fort Wayne chapter get founded here in this city and really with I think Olivia Lehman who had worked for the Chapter in Indianapolis coming up here, but but you would see her at Conjure, meeting with like one person at a time, you know, and really kind of building this team. And I met with her right, and we ended up having the first one here in the B side, you know. And it was like she built a group that was passionate about like making that happen, and ready to kind of go in for all the twists and turns that was going to be involved with that. And you knew they, you could you could tell the way that team works right now. They Certainly not easy, you know, they're all doing it in addition to whatever else they do. But they have each other's backs, they're ready to work hard for it, or they're ready to figure stuff out on the fly. We watched them working here as they were staging that first event, and it was like, man, they had unexpected thing after unexpected thing come up, and they all, all kind of trusted each other because they, had, you, know, they, they you know, the, the passion there. Um, and that it was rooted around that, so I think that's a huge part of it. And and the other thing I would say, you know, with with all these things that i that I get to be involved with, I'm also, also always trying to. So I've got three kids, 15, 14, and six, and they're observing what I'm up to, and and um, and we talk a lot about why, you know, and, and how do we work together. And a, and a huge piece for for me was one like a guitar with. Middle waves with uh, the band I'm in is is collaboration right and, to, and and this idea that we're not the first idea doesn't isn't necessarily the best idea that we can have healthy conversations that make things better that we can be vulnerable in front of each other and 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 and, and really get to a richer deeper spot with that you know and so I guess I just think that's part of I'm trying to impart that on my kids and, and trying to impress them with it one way or another, but um, certainly like wanting to exhibit the best behavior for them is, is super important.
1: Matt, thanks for being on Neighboring. Thanks for being a friend and an encourager and a collaborator over the years and um, giving, giving me uh, a viewpoint into somebody else, trying things and not being afraid to start and uh, not Ultimately, caring how big or how small something is, but if we're creating a meaningful experience, that it's worthwhile, and that we can find our joy and the value in doing those things there, and uh, that that it can be enough, and justify that it was worth worth doing. And uh, I think most of all that the, many of these at the heart are desired for social connectivity and relationship more than it is about some uh, some objective that um, doesn't have a ton of meaning. So. Yeah. Thanks for
0: being on Neighboring. Man, a real thrill, and um, you know, I hope, I hope there's some value from this. And if people are starting things, I want them to email me because I want to come check them out and uh, you know get adventurous
1: myself. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Neighboring. We'll be back next week with another guest as we attempt to learn what it means to be a good neighbor and ultimately create healthy neighborhoods. All
0: right, man. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah.